You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. Jesus, you are our rock. You have saved us and you call us to stake our lives on you, that solid rock that does not move. And so I pray that we would have faith that you are with us at all times. I pray, Jesus, that our faith in you would only be going deeper and deeper as we walk with you and see and experience your goodness. I pray, Lord, for that person who is not building their life on you, the solid rock. I pray that you would save them today, that they would turn to you. And for those of us in the room who have and are building our lives on on you, Lord, would you continue to bless us? Would you continue to guide us? Would you continue to give us wisdom as we go and continue to give us faith, faith that you are a solid rock that we can run to and find refuge at all times. God, would you help us? Would you help me, I pray, with the opening of your word to be a part of that happening by what I share? Would you speak through me so that people's faith in you would only become stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper because of the goodness of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've got a Bible, you can open to Luke chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, if you put your hand up, our ushers will give a Bible to you. We're going to continue on in our series called Don't Be Afraid, Four Stories That Move Us From Fear to Faith. This is story number three. And again, as I'm preaching through this series, God just keeps showing me things that I'm afraid of. I spend all of this week fearing some specific things in my life, I'm like, I have no reason to be afraid because of who Jesus is. And we're going to see in, his, in the story of him calming the storm just who he is and exactly why we don't have to be afraid. So Luke 8. Uh, the first time I was ever on a boat, I was 17 years old, and I was with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, my Uh, my wife Kim, and we were with her family and uh, family friends, and we were going to a cottage. And I was a little nervous to be on this boat, because I hadn't been on one before, and the guy who was driving it, I'd never met him. And so I think he could tell that I was nervous, because when he looked back, I was snuggled very tightly to Kim's grandma. And so I just I snuggled up next to her. I had the hood on and I, like, tied it up, up to like kind of my nose. And I just kind of tucked in to her armpit. She's almost kind of like, there, there, Marv. It's going to be okay. And he turns and he says, we're going to make it. And I'm like, okay. And so we come out of the marina and then we get into Georgian Bay. And as we head over towards the cottage, clouds start to roll in. And then this heavy breeze starts to blow, and then it starts to rain, and the boat starts kind of doing this as we're going along, and instantly what comes into my mind is, can we trust this guy? 
And the same way I struggled to trust Gord in that moment, the disciples struggled to trust Jesus as they traveled and journeyed with him across the lake of Galilee. And they struggled to trust him because they didn't understand who Jesus was, who he is. And we're going to see from the passage that they had nothing to be afraid of because the way Jesus handles the situation, the way he does things shows and proves that they could trust him and it shows clearly who Jesus is. And just like they could trust Jesus on their journey, we can trust Jesus on our journey with him. Because Jesus never promised us an easy journey. He never promised that our journey with him would be easy. But Jesus does promise that we are going to make our destination. And he calls us to trust him. He promises that we are going to make it to heaven, to paradise. And we can trust him because of who he is. We can trust him because of what he has done. Because, because of what Jesus has done, everything, everything is going to turn out well for us. Look at the text. Luke 8, verse 22. It says, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Our first point today is on our journey with Jesus, we will encounter storms. We will encounter storms. Jesus tells them, let's go across to the other side. And as he says that, he's, he's confident they're going to make it. Look at verse 22. He says, let us go across to the other side of the lake, so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. So they start the journey off, and it's a, it's a very peaceful journey. They're sailing peacefully, and you try to picture what they're experiencing. They're seeing a clear sky. There's a beautiful breeze blowing in their face and through their hair, and maybe there's a little bit of gratitude in their heart to be out in God's creation with their friends. The sailing is so peaceful, it says Jesus falls asleep. He's out cold. In the Gospel of Mark, it says he's asleep on a cushion. This is a deep sleep that Jesus falls into, and it's because Jesus is exhausted. He is tired. This, this actually highlights for us the humanity of Jesus. He is both God and man. And here we see that he's tired because of the demands of ministry. Jesus has been preaching and counseling and praying and, and administrating and dealing with people's different needs as they have come to him, and he's 
tired. See, Jesus was a faithful pastor. And being faithful to that task wore him down. Jesus had a real body with all of its limitations. And here we see Jesus embracing that reality. And Jesus sleeping teaches us the importance of rest, that we need to rest. Life with all its demands, with all the different storms that come in, wear us down. And so we need to actually get sleep. Sleep is God's gift to us. It's his gift to us to help us to recover. When we neglect sleep, our health suffers. When we neglect sleep, our mood suffers. And then the people in our life, they suffer because they have to deal with us in our bad mood. And so we need to be people who, who establish, and we can do this, we, we can establish a good pattern of work and rest. When we don't sleep, we're acting like the creator instead of the creature. We're acting like we're God. Sleep reminds us that we're not God, that we're limited. Sleep is an act of faith where we entrust ourselves to God's care. See, sometimes when a storm blows into your life, it's good to pray and take long hours in prayer. Other times, though, it's good just to take a nap and to rest and embrace that God is in it with us and that I need to sleep and recover and say, Lord, we'll get at it again tomorrow. Jesus and the disciples are sailing peacefully. He's asleep here and then everything changes. Luke says that a windstorm came down on the lake and that they were in danger. That word danger tells us that their life here is at risk. It's also a reference uh, that, it, that it came down is also a reference to the location of the lake. Leon Morris sa- uh, explains, says the lake of Galilee is subject to sudden storms. Situated as it is some 700 feet below sea level and adjacent to mountainous regions. Cold air from the heights is apt to sweep down and it can whip up the seas in a short time. The storm here hits them with a sudden and violent flurry. It's like when turbulence hits a plane without any warning. Fishermen would call this a squall. A sudden and violent wind that's usually accompanied by heavy rain. And this is a picture of the storms that can suddenly show up in our lives. We encounter storms at work. We encounter relational storms. We encounter financial storms. We encounter spiritual storms, health storms, family storms. Where is my life headed? Storms. The storms of today can arrive in a rush of circumstances and it just, and it just feels like it's completely beyond our control. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm not in a storm, I'm just enjoying the summer. Well, I want you to know that at some point, the storm's coming. And I don't say that in, like, in a harsh way. I say that because that's the reality of the world that we live in. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 6, 
Jesus talks about two types of people. He says there are people who are building their house on a rock. That's believers. And then he says there are people who are building their house on sand. That's unbelievers. Believers are building their house on a rock because they have faith in Jesus and they're living by him. Unbelievers are building their house on sand because they have rejected Jesus. But what you'll find in Luke chapter 6 when you read that story is that the storms come to both houses. Both types of people experience storms. The first time I was ever on a plane was November the 9th, 1990. That was also the first day I ever saw snow. And that's because I was leaving St. Thomas, Jamaica to come to Canada. Now, I don't remember everything about that trip. I do remember, though, that I was wearing a suit that nobody should ever put on a child. I do remember that the captain said, we are going to be flying at 32,000 feet and thinking, I didn't know anything went that high. And I also remember that not once did the captain say, and we are not going to have any turbulence. He never said that. And just like the captain never said we would experience, we wouldn't have any turbulence, Jesus never says, not once, that our life won't have storms. Actually, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Another way you can translate that is, in this world, you will have storms. See, we encounter storms because creation is broken. In the book of Romans, it says that creation is groaning for its redemption. It's broken because of us. It's broken because of our sin. When we brought sin into the world, storms came as a result but we don't have to be afraid. See, the reality is, is that Jesus is with us in the storms. And here's what we've got to understand and keep in mind. Storms come even when we obey. Jesus says to the disciples, let's go across to the other side. And then it says that they set out, they obey. It's because of their obedience in this story that they're in the storm. So often we think storms come because of disobedience. Some, that, that is true. But they also come even when we obey. Sometimes it's because we are directly obeying something Jesus has said that the storm blows into our life. But again, we don't have to be afraid. We can face these storms with faith. And here's why. I love what Daryl Bach says. He says, God has never promised our lives would be empty of pain, disappointment, or storms. Anyone who tells you otherwise is not teaching you about a true journey with God. He says, God, doesn't, God does promise, what God does promise are resources to journey through the raging waves. We don't have to be tossed by the waves and the wind of worry in our storms because God has given us resources to help us journey and make it through these storms. Resources like his people. 
the Bible tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That means we love one another. So when somebody's going through something, we turn to each other and we help one another. So he gives us his people. He also gives us his word where we can turn and find promises that one day it's not going to be a world full of storms. Revelation 21 verse 5 says, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. This broken world, I'm making all things new. The people, Marv, I'm making Marv new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true, that the world won't always stay in this broken state, that God is in the process of fixing it. He gives us his people, his word, and we find his promises there to give us faith. And God also gives us his ear. He also gives us his ear. We can turn to God in our storms in prayer. And the Bible says that we can turn in confidence, that we can go in confidence to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This is how good God is to us. He doesn't leave us here on our own. He gives us each other. He gives us his word and he gives us his ear. And these resources give us hope. They fill us with faith in the storm. But here's the thing. Our thinking, our thinking sometimes affects our faith. See, when a storm slams into our life, what often happens is that we end up not thinking rightly about Jesus. And so our, our faith is affected by our thinking. Look at verse 24. In, and, and they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he, he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? On our journey with Jesus, we will have moments where we wonder if he cares. As we go through, as those storms blow in, we're, we will have moments where we wonder, does Jesus really care about me? So the storm here is hitting them hard. And they're in trouble. And this is a situation that demands a solution. And maybe they thought, you know, maybe we can bail water out of the boat. Maybe they thought, you know, no, 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 never mind trying to bail. Let's just try to navigate through. We, we're expert fishermen. We've been at this for most of our lives. We can make it through. Maybe after a while they're like, ah, let's just, maybe we should jump off. Let's abandon ship. We don't know exactly what they were thinking, but we know that eventually they go to Jesus and wake him. They go to him for help. See, what's going on here also is that the disciples, their faith is being tested. This is a test of their faith. And our faith being tested isn't bad. Our faith being tested is good. James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you don't know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When our faith is tested, 
it's actually helping us because it's maturing our faith. It's refining our faith. It's deepening our faith and our commitment to Jesus. It's actually validating our faith by the way that we respond as we see the Holy Spirit carrying us through these tests. So the disciples are panicking here, and it's because their faith is weak. But even though their faith is weak, they do the right thing. They go where everyone should go when a storm blows into their life. They go to Jesus. And as they go and wake him up, though, what they say exposes that they're not thinking rightly about Jesus. Mark's account actually helps us to better see this. In Mark chapter 4, they go and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care about what's happening, Jesus? To them, Jesus is physically there, but mentally he's absent. He's checked out of their situation. They're thinking, this guy is taking a nap. He's unwilling to help me help us in what they're going through. See, their assumption here is that Jesus didn't care about what they were going through and maybe didn't even know. Kent Hughes points out the irony here. He says, the storm did not wake Jesus, but the unbelief of the disciples sure did. See, Jesus is asleep because of his humanity. We talked about that, that he's tired from the demands of ministry. But Jesus is also asleep because of his sovereignty, God and man. Jesus is in full control. Jesus can sleep this peacefully in the storm because he's in control of the wind and the waves. Luke says Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and they ceased. Jesus speaks, and there's calm. Jesus speaks, and there's clear skies. Jesus speaks, and there's no danger. Jesus speaks, and everything is put back in, in its proper place. See, the storm's not in control. Jesus is in full control. And the storm is not the only thing that gets rebuked. The disciples also get rebuked. He says, where is your faith? This is a gentle rebuke, but he's asking them, where is your faith? And in doing that, he is reminding them of his care. See, he's not rebuking them for uh, having no faith at all. It's a gentle rebuke for their lack of sufficient faith, their lack of confident faith in Jesus. The boat was not the only thing that got overwhelmed that day. It's not the only thing that got swamped. Fear, the fear of the disciples overwhelmed their faith in Jesus. In asking them, where is your faith? Jesus, again, is reminding them that I care for you, that I am with you. So the disciples don't pass the test but we shouldn't be too hard on the disciples. It's easy to panic in a storm. 
It's easy to feel overwhelmed by the wind and waves of worry, by the storms that blow in our life. It's easy to have moments where we wonder, does Jesus actually care about me and what I'm going through? We have moments like this, moments when prayers go unanswered. And we've been praying for months and years, moments when loneliness feels overwhelming, moments when it's difficult to read the word and to pray, moments when our relationships are falling apart all around us, moments when our financial situation just isn't getting better, moments where we don't know how that immigration case is going to go, moments when life on campus is difficult because of our faith in Jesus Christ, moments where those old sins come back and they take hold in a stronger way than before, moments where we experience injustice and we wonder, does Jesus actually care about what I am going through? Is he with me? Does he care? Is he just asleep at the wheel? In these moments, it's hard. It's hard to believe that Jesus cares for us. It's not easy to lean on that reality. Andy Wilson, in his book, Death by Living, he talks about a storm that he was driving through, and he's driving through a storm, and his family is in the car with him, and he's afraid. He's, he's fearful. Am I going to make it off of this road in this, in this in this scary winter storm. And he talks about how much we are like the disciples and how much he saw that in himself in the storm. He says, he says, he is as much in this storm as he is anywhere and in anything. He says, I don't want to make the same mistake as those disciples. How could they fear a storm if Christ himself was with them in the boat? He's like, how could they do that? And then here comes the honesty. It wasn't difficult, at least it isn't for me. He says, I'm making their mistake. I know he is here. But with my heart stomping twin kick drums inside my rib cage, the knowledge isn't easy to lean on. And what he's talking about there is fear. And fear attacks the knowledge that Jesus is with us, that he does care. See, the knowledge that Jesus is with us in the storm isn't easy to lean on, but it is true that he is with us. We may feel at times that God has left us to fend for ourselves, but God never does that. See, when we understand that Jesus cares, we will remember that divine care never takes a break. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is Isaiah 43, it's, we have it hanging in our house. And it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I love this part. You are precious in my eyes. And honored, here's another really good part, and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. This promise 
was first given to the people of Israel. But this promise applies to us also, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those who have believed in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. And in the moments when it's difficult to lean on the fact that Jesus is present in the storm and caring for us, what we can do is we can pray, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe you are with me. I believe in your promise that you are with me always until the end of the age. But would you please, God, help my unbelief so that I would apply that truth to my life. The miracles depicts Jesus' protection of his disciples. It shows that Jesus can be trusted even in times when it feels like he is not with us. He is capable of meeting our needs. He's capable of meeting the need of the person in the room right now who has not been saved. The person in the room right now who, who are they're honestly in the storm of their sin. And the reality for that person is that they're in danger. But Jesus is able to meet that need. He's able to save you and rescue you out of that storm. And all you've got to do is believe the gospel. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Call on him. Pray to him to save you because he will do it. When the disciples go to wake Jesus, they call him master. And that shows that they see Jesus as an authoritative leader, but they don't fully understand who he is. See, when Jesus said to them, let's get in the boat and go to the other side, if they understood who Jesus truly is, they would know they're going to make it. They would be fully aware that they are going. He doesn't say, let's get in the boat and see if we make it. He says, let's get in the boat and go to the other side because I've got things to do on the other side. If they fully understood who was with them, they would have no fear whatsoever. But the reality is they're still figuring out who is with them in the boat. Look at verse 25 again. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters? And they obey him. They say, Who then is this? Who are we with right now? The Holy Spirit has shown us that we are going to encounter storms on our journey with Jesus. But he's also shown the resources that God has given us to make it through that storm, that he's caring for us. He shows us also that Jesus does care, that he is with us and will be with us till the end of the age. And here's the last thing he wants us to see, that on our journey with Jesus, we can trust him because he is God. We can trust Jesus because he is 
God. The disciples marveled at Jesus, it says. And again, it's because Jesus does another powerful miracle. He does another amazing thing. And it says the, the disciples, they were afraid of the storm, but now they're afraid of Jesus. And this is not a fear because they're going to be harmed. What you have here is reverent fear. They're in awe of Jesus. The miracle raised a question about the identity of Jesus. Earlier, they saw Jesus forgive sins. And then they saw him calm the, uh, not calm the storm, the big catch of fish. And then they see him now calm this storm, and they think, who can do things like this? When they ask the question, who then is this, they actually answer the question. They say, who then is this? And then they, what they say answers the question. They say, who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Nature is often personified as this cosmic force with an independent idea. You hear people say things like, you can't stop Mother Nature. But what this passage makes clear is that it reminds us who's in control of nature. Jesus is. It says that he commanded it. That word is important. He spoke to the storm and it had to obey his authority. The storm had to do what Jesus told it to do. And only God has authority like this. And what Luke is trying to make clear, this is the main point of this passage of Scripture, that Jesus is God. That's what he's actually saying through the entire gospel. He writes to his friend, and he's like, I want you to be sure about what you have heard. I want you to be certain about Jesus, that he is God. Luke wants us, as we are reading the gospel, to become more and more certain about who Jesus is. And the miracle that he performs is another statement that he is God. And this becomes even more clear when we read this story against the background of the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament tells us that only God has authority and power like this over the seas. Psalm 65 says, Praise is due to you, O God, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. Psalm 89, you rule the raging of the sea. When the, its waves rise, you still them. And Psalm 107, which sounds exactly like what the disciples go through. Psalm 107, verse 28 to 29. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves and the sea were hushed. Jesus had this command over nature because he created it. We are here because of Jesus, and we are here for Jesus. John 1 says all things were made through him. John 1 verse 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
That's why every single person is accountable to Jesus. That's why every single person needs to get right with Jesus. Because one day we'll have to stand before Jesus and give an account for the way we live our life. But we can have forgiveness if we turn to him. The way when he uh, calmed the storm, Jesus is claiming his right to rule the world that he made. And this is our God. This is our Savior. This is who is on the journey with us. God the Son is watching over us. God the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And so when that storm blows into your life, the thing that we've got to know and the thing we can believe is that we are not alone, that he is in it with us. The disciples in this moment are uncertain about who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit is teaching us here. We can be certain about who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit wants us at all times to be seeing Jesus clearly so that we would not be afraid of anything. He is God come to save us, to be with us in our most difficult moments, to comfort us, to care for us, and to guide us through everything. The reality is that when storms come, we will experience pain in those storms. That that is a part of our reality, but Jesus is going to see us through those storms. We will make it to the other side, and he calls us to trust him in the midst of that. And here's one final but extremely, extremely important thing. No matter what happens to us in our storms, no matter what we experience in these storms, there is one storm that we will never experience. And that storm is separation from God for all eternity because of our sin. We will never experience that storm. Amen. See, when the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you care? When they rock him out of sleep, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus is probably thinking, of course I care. It's because you're perishing that I'm actually in the boat. It's because you face spiritual death. It's because you, you face the possibility of spending eternity apart from God. It's because you are dying that I'm in the boat. See, disciples, the storm that you're in right now is not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem, your biggest storm is sin and death. It's separation from God for all eternity. That is your biggest storm. And he says, but I'm going to take care of that. And on this side of the story, we know he took care of that, that he went to the cross for our sins. Every time you wonder does Jesus care about me? Does Jesus care about what I am going through? Every time that floats across your head, just turn to the cross. Turn and see how much 
he cares because the storm that was going to destroy us, the storm of sin and death, that storm was calmed by Jesus when he went to the cross for our sins. So when the storms of life blow in, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We can face them with faith. We can trust Jesus. Because no matter what happens to us in that storm, no matter what comes to us, we who have placed our faith in Jesus, who have believed the gospel and are living our life by faith, we who are saved, we can in the middle of that storm say, whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. I am safe. I have Jesus in the boat with me. Whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. Because of Jesus, because of him, I'm going to make my destination. And he calls me to trust him, trust all of his promises. And so, Father, we thank you that we can say, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And Father, we can say that because your son gave up everything, because your son saw us perishing, and he comes. He comes to save us, to be with us on this journey, to be in the boat with us in the midst of our difficulties, to care for us and guide us and comfort us along the way. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his care and his love. And we thank you, God, that no matter what we face, that one day we will be with you, that all is well with our soul. And God, we can pray this because of your son who loved us and gave himself for us. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.